Growing and scaling a business is complex. It can be very scary and lonely trying to navigate it all. It comes down to the community of trusted people you surround yourself with. Let's dive in to the Business as People podcast. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the show. We're excited to have you here today because you're doing some unbelievable things here in Worcester. So how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for inviting me on. Of course, we want to showcase unbelievable people that are making an impact in their community and to the people around here. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what your organization does. So I have been living and working in Worcester for the last 14 or 15 years. I opened a science education youth center in Worcester in 2008 that served a lot of hands-on bio and chem labs and other STEM discipline classes to youth. 2015, I brought that LLC to the Technocopia makerspace. It was actually a merge of three organizations, a wood shop and metal shop, a makerspace coming out of WPI and the youth STEM center that I had created. I grew up in this area, central Massachusetts. I was born in Worcester, raised in Rutland. I left the area at 18 to go away to school. I did a lot of global travel in my twenties. And when I came back to Worcester, learned about a lot of the things that I didn't know I guess when I was a teenager, you know, coming to the city. So you had an extensive, you know, experience, right? So what drove you to do what you're doing now? What's your why? Uh, My why? That's an excellent question. My why is an endless pursuit to continue to challenge myself, learn new things and be surrounded by creative people. And that has led me many places. And what I'll say is that led me to three different colleges before finally getting a degree, you know, which I did get from UMass Amherst and led me to different places in the world, some countries that I spent significant time living in. And after the global travel felt over for a time period, I actually wanted to come back to the States and do more graduate studies. I started teaching in the sciences in Worcester and meeting a lot of people in the music and the arts community in Worcester. And that some, you know, many steps led me to the alternative education school, Worcester Think Tank, I founded. Yes. Tell me a little more about Worcester Think Tank. Yeah, I had a mentor at UWINK. Her name was Joe Hunkin, and she was the first person who really challenged me to teach in a new way, not just reading and writing and presenting, but asking students to use their hands, incorporating art and really, you know, connecting with the students to learn their drives, their desires, their motivations. And after two and a half years of working with UINC as a science educator, I think a lot of people in those positions, you know, maybe last that long. I felt a pursuit to try something on my own. I had been pinged a lot by friends and friends of friends to tutor in the sciences, which I started to do. And that business grew to the point that I was starting to acquire a lot of stuff for my small bedroom in an apartment with two other people on Vernon Hill in Worcester. Microscopes, Erlenmeyer flasks, speakers, test tubes, racks. And it just felt appropriate to find a space. So I did, and it was at the Sprinkler Factory Studios on Harlow Street. And I grew by incorporating more people to help it grow. 
bringing on different instructors, different disciplines. And I did that for nine years in that facility there. And then when did Technicopia come about? So I knew about Technicopia. They were founded in 2013 and they were on Prescott Street, not far away from WPI's Gateway Park. And I learned about them because I was always evolving my science lessons and curriculum and 3D printing technology, digital fabrication, and you know, STEM and engineering standards were becoming more and more uh, like important. There was a lot of visibility. There's a lot of spotlight on that. And I have a background in the biological and chemical sciences. I knew that I needed to kind of up my engineering game if I was going to stay in the science education business. I needed to know more. So I needed to meet Technicopia. (laughs) And also we were donated a three-day printer. I needed to learn how to fix it, calibrate it, not just run it, but like troubleshoot it. And they knew how. So I would kind of go there for advice, help, learn. (laughs) And then in 2015, a group of people, but a specific individual, Joe Forgette, who was our business planner, grouped a lot of different areas he knew in Worcester and was like, let's move. You know, there's money, there's funding for this. Mass Development was doing a lot of fundraising and grant awards for collaborative workspaces. And he had a vision of like what Think Tank, Technicopia, and a wood and metal shop could be if they were together in one place. And it was a year and a half before we actually really started committing to that plan. It was a lot of conversations in the beginning, but we did it, (laughs) you know, like we really did it. The grand opening was August, 2016. So five years later, you know, we've done quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, you guys are making such a huge impact with folks who are passionate to the programs that you have. So Who are some of the people that you're seeing getting the most benefit from it? And who else is welcome to to the programs? So right now, if I were to speak to our day-to-day operations on the average, the membership is who benefits most from our space. So we are a membership-based organization. We're also a nonprofit organization. The membership, though, is different from like a gym membership, but in some ways it's similar because like, instead of the treadmill, you use a chop saw or a lathe or welder, right? You also have to get trainings from our instructors to get passed or certified to use it. But once you've gone through that training process with a shop steward in our space, your access to the space is similar to a gym where you kind of swipe, come on in and use the machines and tools at your convenience. We see all kinds of different people as members, hobbyists, students, small business owners. I think about my son because he's always tinkering and he's a big Legos guy, but then he'll ask me like, Hey, can I help you fix this and fix that? And he's grabbing screwdrivers and he's trying to take things apart. I see him sneaking around, like trying to take things apart. I'm like, what are you doing? So I feel like I should just send him your way so that he can just have a field day. But so like, are there certain things that, you know, if you're talking to parents or other people, you're like, Hey, you're hearing things like you should have them come try Technicopia. What are the things that you think people should look out for? So, you know, I'll just speak to the family memberships and the youth programs, I gave kind of an average overview of like, if you popped in, what would you see? And what do I work with most of my time? 
We do have a youth program component as well. And we have successfully run several programs for ages 10 and up since the time that we've been open in the grand opening. Essentially, I brought think tanks programs here. It's had some huge successes and some failures as with anything, because we integrated three business models into one. And the youth ed aspect and the membership aspect have different needs and different visions. So right now we are working heavily on our 12 and up or even like 15 to 18 crowd, because there's a lot that a teenager can benefit from. Young people are so designed to build. How old is your son? He is six. He's six. So he's a little young for our programs right now. We have been serving ages 10 and up for the last five years. And now we're really trying to develop our 12 and up and teen programs. The makerspace is really, from my perspective, best for students that are at the age that they can utilize more of the machines and the tools. We have done enrichment for younger and we may Again, because we do have a lot of members with families who bring their kids in from time to time too. And your program and the purpose of what you're doing is amazing because I always trying to find ways to have my kids do things that are more creative. So I think there are more folks doing this either on their own or they're creating other nonprofits out there. So like, what advice would you give someone who's trying to have the same path as you? do something like this in their hometown or their city? Well, I have to say that the paths to a dynamic STEAM and STEM youth education model and the membership-based like makerspace are actually very different. In many ways, when we have worked with younger kids, I kind of felt that split a lot. So which one are you asking about specifically? The membership and makerspace is one toolkit (laughs) and they certainly cross pollinate a little, but there really is a huge difference in the models in my own mind. Actually both. Cause I, I cause again, folks who are listening here, I think it's always empowering when you have options. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't mind just giving us both scenarios. All right. And with both, you know, as in starting think tank, which was youth ed focused and with being a part of a team that created the Technocopia downtown today, I can say you need your people, you need your community, you need your team, and you need to listen. (laughs) And you need to also recognize in yourself, I think when you're so far in the weeds and still weeding, like when to stop and reflect back. You know, you have to know your finances, you have to understand your marketing, you have to understand what the environment and the vibe of your space is as people walk through the door and hand over their children to you for education, or someone comes in to trust your knowledge on this is how this machine works. Now you're going to take your valuable, really nice walnut lumber to use on this machine with my guidance. That engagement early on with your team and understanding everyone's strengths and weaknesses, and then also really listening to the critical feedback they might have on you running it is really important. And I have to say, I stayed in the weeds for at least three or four years with Think Tank, you know, and I brought on other instructors. The fourth or fifth year, I took on a co-director 
which allowed my business to grow. And there's still things sometimes that I revisit where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when he said this, I didn't recognize at that time that he was saying he was overwhelmed or, you know, stressed because of this and that, but that's what was going on. And that's what led to maybe an operation, not getting done as it should have, because he needed me then, like he needed me to step in. You have to know when to step in and when to walk away. There's like a really fine line between micromanaging and keeping mission and the ship afloat and supporting your team. I literally just had this conversation today with my own mentor and it's like how to prioritize and get out of the weeds, right? Because there's yeah. so many things to do. You want to do it all. They all intertwine. This is great. I want people to learn from lessons from the struggles that we have, right? As growing a business or growing a vision or passion. So could you unpack a little bit more, like what specific things in the weeds? Cause I mean, maybe someone's like, you know what? I'm in the same weeds too. how did you get out of there? So <laughs> the analogy is like, if someone's in a hole, but you're like, I've been in that hole, I'm going to jump down. And I'm going to get you out. I'm going to pull you out. And that's the analogy for this weed. So what type of specific weeds were you in and how did you get out of them? Well, I can give you an example for something that I have to do every week with how I work. And I'll say emailing and text, like in our society, definitely makes it hard to sometimes operate out of the weeds, right? Because it's easy to get wrapped up in one specific initiative, one specific program, a lot of people with passion, there's a lot of movement, you want to participate. But I also have like a lot of deadlines on grant reporting, bills, larger vision, strategic plans, and, you know, checking in that all of those numbers and all of those goals and all those things look good. And I can't do those like more strategic, bigger vision projects or things that really require like three hours of my focus time, just reading and writing. If I've wasted my energy all day, kind of just taking care of lots of little details. And sometimes that's like just running a test cut on the laser cutter because it's not operating optimally rather than waiting for someone to come in this evening and check it out instead, right? Like sometimes you can't pull yourself out, right? Because you like your job. I like my job. So I, I kind of have a rule. I think most maybe people in my position do work a little bit on the weekends, but when I do have that quiet time, when I, I'm not in the makerspace and working from home or yes, working Sunday evening on something, I really try not to do anything but a big picture project. That way, Sunday evening, if I'm working, I will choose, okay, I've got my two hour window here. I'm not going to just jump in. I'm actually going to prioritize and I'm going to pick one big project. And that might make me feel anxious at first. Cause I'm like, Oh, but then this person won't hear back from me on this and blah, 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 blah. But then on Monday morning, that is off my plate and I'm cheery and <laughs> pleasant because, you know, I have lifted something large that has the ship still guided in the right direction and has us where we really need to be. And it's my job to get those things done. It's just so easy to get wrapped up in the details. So I don't on Sunday evenings do much with email communication to get like the ball rolling on thing or respond to things. Cause I do find that if I do, a lot of other people are also online and I've only then Monday morning started actions where I'm required for a third action, not like a first action. Right. And I have the big report too. So I started conversations to get things rolling by emailing and doing communications. 
Monday morning, all those people have that in their head and now they have their next level question <laughs> and I don't have the report done. So that's just one way I work. <laughs> yeah, try to stay organized and productive, right? So there's a difference between habits and rituals, right? Habits are like certain things that kind of ingrain versus rituals, like specifically blocking out a time space for yourself. So do you do a blend of both or do you do one more than the other? I have to say it takes some effort to step away. I have a lot of hobbies. So when I do step away, it's often to garden. I'm really into stone landscaping. I also do yoga, read, meditate. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can recognize, you know, when enough is enough and my brain or body is saying, it's, it's time to take a step back. It's time to take care of your own self and your own interest to kind of gain perspective and reflect. I also have the blessed benefit of being a child. And I think that when she was born, which was just five years ago, that was a real turning point in identifying how well I used my time at work. Because all of a sudden, when I had to leave to go pick her up from my mother, or when I had to go home to start cooking or whatever for the home, that's a hundred percent attention in that environment. So that's been great. <laughs> and I think a lot of parents struggle with that blend, right? So share us a little bit. How do you stay focused? Is it even for myself? I mean, I have four kids and it's like, you want to be present for them at times, but you can't stop thinking about the business or, or you can't stop thinking about the next thing. Like, okay, once I finish this with him or her, then I got to go do this and sneak in a text or an email. So it can get kind of chaos in your head, right? And you're trying to be like in the moment, if it's dinner time or whatever, how do you manage that chaos? I think people can probably relate hearing about this. Yeah. I mean, they know that chaos is going in your head. You know, this happened to me yesterday where I was finding like too many moments, I guess, to kind of sneak away, send something off and needing to kind of carry on with the special moments and everything I had planned for the day with my daughter. Cause I spend every Tuesday with her. I spend every day with her, but Tuesdays I don't work. It's a day that I work from home advice on that. It takes me almost 12 to 24 hours to fully unplug from work in my mind. So Sunday morning, I'm feeling good as long as I have started to quiet that email or kind of text stuff, which at that point is kind of all I can do. I can't sit down and commit myself to a big project when spending time with her. Yeah, it is. And it, sometimes there's never a right answer, right? It's like everyone has their way. I call it getting to the summit. You know, some people have different routes, but we do our best and you just try I, to focus on things and just have progress. And I also have the fortune of living in a place with a lot of forests and trails and opportunities to move about. So I leave my phone behind. I mean, I'm like, oh, I don't have a camera for this beautiful picture, but the snapshot is in my brain <laughs> and the moment is hundred percent and, and, you know, great. So that, and the gardening too, I can't, that's dirty. It's wet. It's so <laughs> no fun. <laughs> There's a lot of studies behind transitioning your mind and focus to com completely something different where if you can turn it off, it's like a muscle. You rest your mind from thinking about work. Cause when you're like, they're playing with your kids or, or going out there in that scenic walk, 
you actually come back refreshed because you got a chance to rest and then ideas start coming in. They start flowing or the solution to the problem you might have started flowing. Do you feel that's true for yourself? And if so, what particular things do you do that give you the best ideas or clarity? Yeah. I mean, you're not in that response and like flight mode. You're not on that brain Mm -hmm. tangent, right? Anymore. You've gotten off the train and you're looking at the train and then you get back on the train. I love teaching art with science. That's something I was very passionate about in my past. I don't have a lot of time for it now. It's something I I sometimes dabble in sciencey and techie art when I can as a release, as an outlet. And what I loved about doing that is exactly what you're talking about is that, okay, let's go through some super complicated chemical formulas and let's really dig into this science topic. That's like challenge to understand. And then we're going to stop. And then we're going to come over here and we're going to work with our hands and we're going to dabble with some colors dabble with some gels, dabble with some paints. It really depends on what the chemistry lesson was. You know, we make them correlate. We did a great glass chemistry class here at Techcopia that did the same thing. So your mind switches over to the art. You come back to the science. I don't need to say anything more. You have fresh ideas, a new perspective. You might not get everything, but your mind has absorbed it in a new medium, in a new way rather than just the rigor of grinding along on the same thing, the same way. Yeah, it could be meditative, probably doing some art and and just doing something a little bit different. You mentioned gardening too. And yeah, and I find (laughs) if I can't get myself like off of the work and the computer, I will move to kind of wind down a little bit of graphic design and then close it. And then I might be ready to actually commit myself to something like yoga or some other thing, spending time with the people who are around me, calling somebody just for fun. Yeah, that's something I've been scheduling in is being really mindful of like taking 30 minutes to just do one-on-one time with my team members and rotating and just not, not talking about work and either I can send them maybe a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts and say, hey, let's both have some coffee and let's just chat, right? So that's great that you're, you're taking the time to do that with your team. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to learn this too, because I have a lot of one-to-ones and then there's a lot of collective group conversations that go on. How do you manage that time? And do you have regular scheduled meetings? I mean, we do, I feel like that more are needed, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Schedules. I try to be very intentional with my one-on-ones and meetings. We got away from it because just a lot of people with Zoom fatigue, right? So like, Hey, mm-hmm. let's do less of these. But now with people working remote and from home, it's still important to maintain that culture and connectivity as humans. So now what I'm doing is reaching out and blocking it and don't let anything take it away. It's just like, if you're spending time for your time to do whatever, if it's yoga, cause it's going to help you increase your peak performance. That's what I'm doing. I'm just scheduling time for half an hour, just talking about them and their family and what's going on and understanding like what drives them. Cause us as leaders, it's our responsibility to support our team members so that they're performing and uncovering any roadblocks that we can remove. So that's what I'm doing there. And we also use Slack. So we're creating a channel so that people can share, like we have a foodie channel. So people just share like what they're eating, what they're having, and then commenting, what, what do they make today? Cause like, those are the types of conversations we have in passing anyways, right? In office, you're like, oh, what'd you eat? Or what'd you have? I think it's a natural conversation to just talk about food, barbecue. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So we're trying to create that in a, in a virtual environment. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I have last question to wrap this up today. What is one thing 
that people should do to impact their lives professionally? Because again, you have all these leaders and professionals listening to this. Like, what's one thing you would say to someone to get them to level up? I believe that likely people are around mentors without realizing it. And this might be someone, you know, if I go back to my think tank days, it might've been a parent who was really chatty, but also did a lot of educating and has ideas of their own and wants to share them with you. And I think sometimes I would always feel a little too busy, you know, to kind of like dig in and ask lots of questions. However, in the last two years, I have been able to more easily identify mentors right at my fingertips, people much wiser than me with much more knowledge than me. And I ask a lot of questions from your perspective, from your experience. How do you see this situation? What is your vision? And I listen and process it. Just look uncover a little bit deeper. When you say mentor and someone's like, okay, great, but who do I ask or what type of mentors? Yeah. I didn't put out like an ad, you know, but I have put myself in many different work environments. You know, I did program direction with WPI for four summers in a row and had great opportunity to meet people in the STEM education field and STEM field and was able to learn a lot. It depends on how involved you already are in your community. I guess If you aren't someone that's kind of going to art exhibits or concerts or dinner parties or events where you can socialize and learn from others, I would encourage you to do so, to meet people. You know, you don't have to ask a lot of questions to every person. You're going to know when there's a connection and you're going to know when you're benefiting in like a positive way from the dialogue, right? And actually that's another, I'll say that too. You can tell, I think sometimes like when you realize when I am in conversation with this person, almost every time I feel this way, am I feeling like bad and negative in my mind and body and I'm giving a lot or is it balanced or am I just, you know, getting a lot? And maybe I should think of what I can contribute. So just really in the moment, as you're meeting people in new communities and new environments and environments that, you know, you're interested in, just pay attention to that. And when you find that vibe and connection is good and like, oh, this is really interesting, even if it's just that, because you never know for me anyway, because I've tried so many things and I love learning. I never know what I'm going to next be interested in. So if I find something interesting, I dig deeper, even if it's not necessarily the path that I feel like, oh, I'm on right now. It makes a lot of sense. It's definitely an energy and a gut thing. Turning it off and on too is important. <laughs> yeah. I'm knowing like, oh, okay, I really need to move on from this conversation because it's taking a lot and I'm not getting a lot too. So this has been fantastic crazy how fast this flew by, right? How could someone get a hold of you, Lauren, if they're looking to you know, learn more about what you're doing? Sure. I guess they could reach out. We have info at technocopia.org. It goes to a group of us, but if you wanted to say, Hey, Lauren, I heard you on whatever. I have some questions or I want to come see the space. Just go ahead. And that's one way to get in touch with me. Also Lauren.monroe at technocopia.org. 
And that's our website too, www.technicopia.org. Well, thank you for your time today. I think you had a lot of awesome insight. And I think, you know, actually leaving the phone home, taking a walk, that's a good idea. Because then now it's not buzzing in my leg. So that is one of my biggest takeaways today. So really thank you for sharing your whole experience. And I'm looking forward to probably have you back on again. Great. I'd love that. Okay. Great. Thanks. If you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover, please email me at podcast at or message me on LinkedIn.